All right, Wark, uh, Hello. we're ready to go. So uh, good morning, everybody. Sorry, there's a little bit of a delay there. We had some technical difficulties trying to get onto the Hall of Fame's page. So I'm actually doing this from my page onto the Hall of Fame's page. But as always, I'd like to thank everybody for joining us today, uh, following along with this edition of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame's Hall Call interview series. I am Will Driscoll, the executive director of the Hall of Fame. And again, I hope everybody is staying safe, staying healthy as we continue to navigate uh, the effects of the pandemic. Um, but let's get into this today. So 57 years ago, 2000 Virginia Sports uh, Hall of Fame inductee Wendell Scott became the first African-American to win a race in NASCAR's highest cup series when he took home the, uh, the checkered flag at the Grand National Jacksonville 200. A historic moment, to say the least, but it's turned into a bit of a saga that still isn't complete more than a half century later. Today on Hall Call, as you can see, I'm joined by Warwick Scott, the grandson of Wendell and CEO of the Wendell Scott Foundation, who is working day by day to make sure that that legacy doesn't die. Warwick, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me and good morning to everyone. Thank you. So you can follow the Wendell Scott Foundation on Facebook. You can also follow them on Twitter. Uh, their Twitter handle is at Wendell Scott underscore 34. This is on Facebook Live. We are, we are doing it through Facebook Live. Like I said, it's on my page, but it's also being broadcast on the Hall of Fame. So if you do have a question, please send it in and we will try to get it, get it up on the stream. Uh, Warwick, let's just kick it off with this. For those who may be hearing or learning about your grandfather for the first time today, what should they know about Wendell? Oh man, he was a world-class father, world-class grandfather. Um, he was um, all about community. Um, he he loved um, his hometown of Danville, Virginia, with a with a passion. Um, he was a engineering savant. Um, he was a machinist. Um, he was a bootlegger. He, he was all. He was also. He he was also the first African American NASCAR driver and team owner uh, to ever win a race at the highest level in sport of NASCAR. Um, he's also a member of the. NASCAR Hall of Fame, the only American member of the NASCAR Hall of Fame. He's also a member of the National Motorsports Hall of Fame. Uh, he's also a member of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. Um, civil rights icon, um, an all-around great, great person, and, and, and my personal hero. That's who this guy is. You mentioned that he's a mechanic and a war hero. He was actually a mechanic during World War II. So obviously he, he had this passion for cars and, and the automobile industry. What drove him to be competitive behind the wheel? Well, he had um, great exposure um, to automobiles from his father. His father, William Scott, um, actually served as the first, um, he was the first person to operate an automobile in Danville, Virginia. He worked for two of the wealthy, um, wealthy families um, in, in Danville, and they shared the first, v the two wealthy families shared the first vehicle um, to ever be driven in Danville. Um, and uh, my great-grandfather, William Scott, was the mechanic um, and worked for those two families. So he was the family's driver. Um, and so as a very young man, Wendell Scott was exposed to automobiles. Um, and he just picked up a passion um, for that type of ingenuity um, as a child, so this was a this was something that he was he was born into that type of exposure actually, um, and it transitioned in many forms. You know, as he got older, um, going from his teens into his twenties, leading up to his time in the military, where naturally he learned a different level of, um, you know, different level of, of engineering once he entered the military. 
So it was a great benefit for them. One of my favorite stories that I've heard so far, and you know, you, if you look back through the history of NASCAR, it's its beginnings were in bootlegging and you know, boot, bootlegging alcohol. And you even mentioned that he was a bootlegger. But one of my favorite stories is when one of the local tracks in Danville, or I guess the local track in Danville, was looking to hire a minority driver to attract minority fans. He, your grandfather, was recommended by the Danville police to yes. the track he was that good of a driver i think that's just a really cool a cool scenario right. well he was only you know he was only caught once <laughs> that's right so he was a really I good mean, bootlegger and, and i mean even then when that happened you know his one of his um one of his colleagues set him up you know and so that's how he got caught so he really kind of didn't get caught uh, but <laughs> but yeah um you know that's that's that was the culture you know in those days um, he caught, he came from the military and he was denied, you know, he had a taxi service, um, kind of fl a, fl a young fledging taxi service before he went to the military and he fought in general Patton's army as a, a soldier mechanic, paratrooper and a boxer as well. Um, and when he got back from the military, he was denied his business license, um, to start his taxi company back up. Um, so, you know, kind of the duality that we live in in America these days, but he was denied his you know, his opportunity to, you know, to be successful and feed his family. And that led to the moonshine running, which fed into his nature because he really was in love with speed, man. He really yeah. loved speed and going fast and figuring out how to make things go fast, you know, so it, it fed into what it was. So it was all, it was all God's design. It was all, it was all God's faith. Well, once he started racing, uh, you know, racing legitimately, not not bootlegging anymore. He he was doing it on dirt tracks in Virginia and North Carolina, and, and he started winning, and he started winning a lot. But every entry that he would apply for to a NASCAR race kept getting denied. Did he ever talk about the frustration that that that, that came with that, or was this just more motivation as opposed to frustration? For well, him yeah, to I mean, going? it was it was in in the beginning it was it was frustrating i mean you know he had conversations with me my grandfather passed away when i was 13 years old and i spent a great deal of time um with him during my childhood and we had many profound conversations when he would be you know just trying to tell a grandson um you know the never give up story or the you know you can do it story you know and then he would just be telling stories about his life <laughs> you know kind of building those stories into you know, me learning my playbook when I'm in little league football or something like that. <laughs> and, you know, he, so he's telling you, looking back on it, you know, he did share quite a bit about those type of things. But, you know, my grandfather was purpose driven and he just never really, you know, he just never really became discouraged. You know, that just wasn't part of his DNA. You know, if it was something that was in his way or if it was a perceived roadblock, you know, because he had the mind of an engineer, you know, he would engineer a way or a procedure or a technique to help deal with it you know um so it was just a situation for him where um and he enjoyed the journey you got to understand that um at that time in the Jim Crow South um it was rather dangerous for an African-American to travel to these races you know so this is something that when you think about Wendell Scott's legacy you know you have to consider what he went through from his front door to just make it to the track, driving through certain areas and certain counties and certain regions who were not African-American friendly at all. You know what I mean? And so in his, um, 
you know, in his adventurous type of spirit, you know, it became just that. It became an adventure, you know, for he and his pit crew and the guys that he had with them, you know, they had an idea of what they were going to be facing. Um, and they prepared for those things. They had best case scenarios and worst case scenarios. Um, and so if anyone out there that's watching has ever experienced an adrenaline rush, which I think we all have at some point or another, um, that's what it was described to me like. You know, it was uh, it was kind of like a always pure adrenaline, you know, because you always had to have your head on a swivel. You had to think about things that other people didn't have to think about, like where would you eat? You know, where would you get gas? You know, if the car was to break down somewhere, you know, how would you pursue help? You know, these things weren't options for African-Americans at that time. It, it's just, it's amazing to to hear that, how he made that impact in a sport that was, you know, still is to this day, predominantly white, but especially at that time, like you said, in the Jim Crow South, but right. a veteran sports writer and another uh, inductee here at the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame, Al Pierce, uh, wrote recently that Wendell won fans over with his skill, grace, and determination. And I guess that that really had to be the only approach at that time. A lot kind of like the Jackie Robinson, you know, you, you can't fight fire with fire. You had to go in there and kind of kill him with kindness. Right. Well, you know, because, see, Scott Racing was an enterprise. Yeah. Okay, that's the other thing. You know, my grandfather was doing business too, right? And so when he goes to the track, he's there. he's there to do his job. You know, so as much as it was grace and dignity and those those things, you know, that's who he was. That was his character. That's who he was as a as a person. The fact that he had the courage to go to those races and the, the fact that he had the courage to keep to keep racing. That's when the viewers, right, of the general public, that's when they begin to attach themselves to his character and what he stood for. And that is how legends are born and legends are created, right? It, it, isn't just, it isn't just what you say, it's what you do too. You know what I mean? So, you know, him being able to um, win, you know, he won 128 races on the small cup circuit, you know, before NASCAR was, you know, coined or formed. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he, start, he got his NASCAR license in 1953, you know, and he, and, and he pursued his, you know, he pursued it from there. So I mentioned Al Pierce. Al Pierce recently wrote a story for AutoWeek.com uh, back on August 6th, and I, I encourage everybody to read it. And it, it specifically talks about the Jacksonville 200 and kind of the, the confusion that went into that race. Back in the early 60s, races were scored by hand. They were scored manually. And, um, you know, Wendell, he, he won the race. But it was a, it was originally awarded to another driver, Buck Baker. And so they do the trophy presentation. They do all of that. Um, a review of the scorecard showed that your grandfather did win the race. And while he got the winner's check, he didn't get the trophy. And this story that Al Pierce uh, wrote for Auto Week that I'm sure you guys have been dealing with for many, many years is about the fact that there still is no trophy that's been given to the Scott family. Where does that stand currently? Um, well, the story is a, it's a, it's a bigger piece to that story. And I think it's important to mention with the news, with, um, with, with the wonderful news that's happening with Bubba Wallace and Michael Jordan, where he's now entering the sport. You know, the Jacksonville 200, you know, Wendell Scott became the first African-American team owner to win a race as well, not just him as a, mm -hmm. as a driver. And that's an important distinction um, that, that I'm hoping will be 
um, you know, more utilized and talking points and different things as, as you know, we're celebrating the entry of, you know, Michael Jordan, you know, into the sport. Um, as far as, as far as what happened with um, the trophy, um, there have been many different, I think Mr. Pierce's story kind of further, you know, the different opinions and the different, um, different statements that the Baker family has made with regard to what a trophy may or may not be. And, and what I would say about where that stands is that um, going forward um, in 2021, um, I think um, there's going to be an offering um, from NASCAR and from the Scott family that will be um, very sufficient with regards to, you know, kind of writing that historical wrong. Um, but it's something that has been discussed openly in the media. Um, you know, it's been something that I certainly, um, you know, have, have approached NASCAR about. Um, you know, consistently, um, but I was, I'm saying that they charted a new course with regards to certain dynamics. Um, and it's a big, it's a big, it's a big long drive they got to make, <laughs> you know, and so you got to start somewhere. Um, and I would anticipate um, that it's going to be a very good year in 2021 with regards to uh, my grandfather's kind of reemergence um, into the sport. Um, and what his legacy meant from so many different ways. But like using the word enterprise, you know, Wendell Scott's legacy um, has many more components um, than just him in the race car. Um, and so we'll begin to see, you know, we'll begin to see these things kind of um, manifested differently and shared differently, you know, to the public. So I'm looking forward to it. What would bringing closure to this chapter mean to your family? Because he's he's already in, he's listed as the winner in the record books. And so mm -hmm. some might say it's just a trophy, but it's more than that to, to you and your family, isn't it? Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, you know, it is, it's, you know, this is our legacy as well. It's not, you know, Scott Racing is a family affair, you know. Um, so, you know, my grandfather didn't do anything by himself. You know, he had, um, you know, all of his children played a specific role. And Scott Racing, you know, my, my late great grandmother, Mary Scott, um, supported him greatly. You know, he had dedicated pit crew members, you know, so it wasn't done by himself. Um, and so there's a um, there's a great uh, historical reckoning um, coming with regards to that. Um, and, it, and it's just one of those things where there's, you know, it's a healing moment. You know, it becomes a healing moment. Um, and I think it's one that the nation needs, um, you know, more so than just my family. You know, we are... Um, blessed to have been a part of something that is um, globally, you know, recognized as a first, you know, anytime you're the first of something, you know, that stands up forever, you know, and what it'll mean for me personally is, is, is the type of impact that his legacy can carry into the most underserved and impoverished areas in nation. You know, we do a wonderful job at the Wendell Scott Foundation of providing STEM educational outreach programming and and direct mentoring and scholarships um, to youth that are underserved and at risk um, in North Carolina and Virginia and have been doing so for the past 10 years now. This is actually our 10 year anniversary, um, but you can imagine um, what that type of moment will do um, with regards to garnering resources um, for the children we serve. You know, everything we do is about youth. Um, and my grandfather, his heart um, and everything that he did was always to support, you know, children. And so that's what our mission is. And so, so what would happen? What, what would it mean, you know, if Wendell Scott's legacy just blows through the roof? It would mean we can help more people. 
you know, you, you, you mentioned the, the foundation. And if, if you want to learn more about the foundation, go to wendellscott.org. That has all the information about the programs, the mission, everything that they're doing. Uh, you mentioned it's a 10 year anniversary. What was the motivation and when did you guys begin to start formulating the idea to, to do this foundation in honor of your grandfather? You know, it was um, the motivation was to have a um, to have one dialed in authentic voice with regards to Wendell Scott's legacy, you know, before the internet, before the emergence of the internet. And then after the internet came, you know, my grandfather's legacy was, you know, kind of here and kind of there. Um, and we were, um, you know, needing to grow, you know, needing to grow his legacy. Um, and so we found it necessary um, to establish the foundation um, in order to help grow his legacy, but also in order to keep his legacy alive by pouring back into the community. Um, because I mean, that that is, really really what you know that's my life's work um my wife and i you know we came up with this idea back in 2010 um and we started the wendell scott foundation actually in raleigh north carolina is where we did our first work in raleigh and durham and different places like that greenville north carolina you know places like that is where we started our work snow hill north carolina um kind of all over and our work transitioned back to virginia because this was our hometown, Danville. And it, at that time, Danville really needed, um, you know, some support within the community and working with youth. And we wanted to come back and put some boots in the street and roll our, roll our sleeves up and really help, you know what I mean? And we designed STEM educational programming that was able to close learning gaps. And within those programs, we were able to provide cultural enrichment opportunities for, for students. So we partnered greatly with institutions like Virginia State University or the Institute of Advanced Learning and Research, um, New College Institute in Martinsville, Virginia, Southern Virginia Higher Education Center in South Boston, Virginia. You know, you can find our footprint um, in our race car simulation programs, you know, in our efforts, you can find that, you know, um, all over our region. And so, you know, our my grandfather's legacy you know, it lives in opportunity, you know, he, he gives people a direct reason to hope, you know, if you're having a bad day, read up on Wendell Scott. You know, <laughs> that's actually, that's a great point. <laughs> his, his story yeah. is, a, is amazing. Uh, the, the, the story is amazing. Um, you know, you, you talked about the STEM principles that the foundation is teaching. Yes. Obviously with, with racing, there's all sorts of STEM, the science, technology, engineering, and math. You know, what are some of the kind of crossover programs that you're doing to introduce a kind of a, a newer fan base or a, 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 I guess, a new fan base to racing through your foundation and, well, we, and the STEM principles? Well, uh, one of our programs is called um, Steering to STEM. And this is where we use race car simulation. So we have race car simulators and we provide um, after school programming and summer camp opportunities um, with the curriculum specific to race car simulation and the physics surrounding race car simulation. Um, and we, we oftentimes partner with iRacing as well. Um, and, you know, we expose students to esports. Um, and, and all it is, is, you know, it's a prerequisite to, it's a prerequisite to exposing students to STEM and helping identify, you know, where their talents actually lie. Um, at the same time, being able to, you know, sit in a race car simulator um, and, and design your own car, build your own car, create a line item budget with regards to the race team, what require things of that nature. Um, and we also use drones and robotics and VR. You know, we build all of these things, you know, into our curriculum 
um, that students uh, participate in. And most times when we're doing um, after school programming or summer camps, our chosen demographic are the rising 10th, 11th, and 12th grader. Because we can identify students that can exist in that curriculum, and these are perfect students for the, for the universities and colleges that surround us. Right? So we're able to, you know, what I try to do is broker a relationship for students that are at risk. You know, and we work with colleges, you know, to find out what their acceptance criteria are, where the opportunities within different divisions and different departments, and we highlight those opportunities. And, and part of our summer camp experience is those students getting the opportunity to sit directly in front of that opportunity. And we hold the institutions we work with accountable. We hold them accountable. You know, here's your, here's your, here's your student. Here's the future. You know, and so we have a wonderful track record of assisting, guiding students um, into secondary universities and colleges. Um, so we're very, very proud of that. Um, and, and, and our work will continue. How can people, How can people in, in any capacity, either you know, donation, volunteering, like if you're ask, if you're asking people to help, how can they help you? Well, you can visit our website, which is www.wendellscott.org, um, and it tells you all about our foundation. It tells you all about our programs. It also has um, hyperlinks to all of our social media channels, um, and, set, and so there's specific ways that one can give a donate or select the program they want to donate to. Um, we also have some apparel. Um, that can be purchased that goes as a fundraiser for our foundation, some Wendell Scott signature t-shirts and things of that nature. Um, and so I encourage anyone who has a dollar or two to give, you know, to visit our website and, you know, support our programming. Um, um, it's a guarantee that it goes to the worthiest of causes. Um, and our work is continued each and every day. And we start very early and we stop uh, pretty late at night. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> 25 hours a day, right? Well, <laughs> seven like triple A. You're, you know, unfortunately, your grandfather passed away in 1990 before a lot of this recognition and obviously well before the foundation was founded. But, you know, whether it's the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame, the International Motorsports Hall of Fame, NASCAR Hall of Fame, or, or the foundation, you know, what would all of this have meant to him, do you think? You know, um, <laughs> I just think that he would, I think he would be just, um, very proud to see um, the different points of inspiration that he's brought to people. You know, so many um, pictures have been drawn over the years and die-cast cars and model cars and people email, you know, people take pictures of and send it to us. And I mean, I think every aunt and every uncle I have um, has, a wall of different things where people have um, dedicated their time and their energy, you know, to honor my grandfather. And so because of that, you know, his image, you know. I was, I was gonna point to the one right behind you, yeah. You know, it's, 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 it has become a work of art. You know, it's become a work of art. And, and, and you know, his life, um, you know, I think it's poetic that way, you know, to think, you know, what his life was like and what it consisted of in the, in the times that he existed in. You know, Wendell Scott raced in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and 80s, and 90s, actually, to be historically accurate. You know, he raced probably pretty much, the last time he raced was in Franklin County, Virginia. You know, I think it was 88 or 89. Mm -hmm. but to see his life transition um, into homages, maybe from Disney, Pixar, you see the Cars 3, you know, his 
his image was um, featured in Disney Pixar's Cars 3. I had an opportunity to work on creating that character, you know, in that film. And so his legacy is, you know, his legacy is global. His legacy is worldwide. And, um, you know, we are proud to be a part of Virginia's history, you know, in that manner. You know, they're great, great people and great men and women that have come, you know, out of this state. Um, and so we're, you know, we're proud and we do not take lightly that we represent, you know, you know, his legacy. Um, but Scott Racing is just that. It's Scott Racing, man. It was a family affair, you know, so. How, how would he be viewing, you know, kind of the, the social change that's going on today? You, you actually mentioned how NASCAR, you know, is, is slowly making change. And the news came out, I think it was last night, that Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin, so a legendary basketball player, and one of the best racers on the circuit today are forming a team and Bubba Wallace is going to be their feature driver. How would he be kind of viewing everything through that prism these days? Well, you know, you know, culturally people that people that are not from the, the Virginia, North Carolina, you know, kind of South Carolina corridor, culturally people probably don't realize how close basketball and NASCAR run together. Mm -hmm. you, you know what I mean? Um, so I think it's, I think it's just wonderful, you know, just, you know, the Jordan brand already exists in NASCAR through Denny. However, for him to be the first team owner since my grandfather, I mean, you know, it says a lot about, you know, my grandfather, mm -hmm. um, Wendell Scott, for those who are watching who may not really realize it, his entire career, he had no sponsorship, right, ever. And so for him to, you know, hold that historical place, without the benefit of sponsorship. And, and another thing too, and I don't mean to cut you off, but he was always kind of using um, used parts. He never really had a new car, correct? Yeah, no, he never had a new car. Um, anytime he would provide it a new car, quote unquote, to run in, like the home and Moody car, um, the car wasn't new and it wasn't a good car. He probably had been better off building one, you know, based upon the outcome <laughs> of those races, he probably would have been better off building, you know, getting you know my dad and my uncle to build him another one you know what i mean so i mean you know it's, it's just to your original point I, I think he would be very proud of, of what is taking place i think he'd be disappointed too in a lot of aspects based upon some of the climate uh the political climate that exists that is tied into sports and you know you can't like one thing if you like one thing you can't like the other you know um and so i personally believe the world could use a little more wendell scott you know i think um i think the world needs exposure to his legacy right and and and, and what we were able to accomplish you know my grandfather built this unique bridge of for diversity and inclusion at at, at running in tandem with Dr. King and Malcolm X, you know, and JFK and people like that running in that same pantheon, you know, he built the he built the most unique bridge in the in the most highly unlikely circumstance. And it still exists today. You know, you you'll find people who feel very strongly on one side of the fence or the other. But the one thing people agree about is what Wendell Scott's legacy meant you know, to society, you know, and the type of man he was and the type of character he had. That's the one thing I've, I've never really heard anybody disagree about that. You know what I mean? And so that's how we approached 
issues like Confederate flags and stuff like that's how we approached those issues. You know, it wasn't, you know, it was something that existed. Um, it did not scare us. Um, it did not make us, um, you know, didn't make us feel in it one way or the other. Um, did not like it, did not support it. But from a humanity, from, from like the, the place of humanity, it also didn't, my grandfather didn't look at somebody like that and hate them because mm -hmm. of, they may have hated him, but he didn't hate them. And over time, as I alluded to earlier in our call, you know, people began to absorb what his character was. It began to wear off on people. And that's when that bridge started getting built, right? And so for the, for the, for the, for the white person who didn't have black people in their life, or maybe they did have them, but they just devalued them or treated them a certain way. Or it was the Wendell Scott exposure in those times that led to them developing, right? Slowly but surely a different understanding or a different way they treated someone or a different way they viewed someone or a different way they viewed someone's circumstance, right? That's like ultimate healing factor. You know, but it, but it, but it, but it, it wasn't just cause he was coming to the racetrack saying what he was gonna do. <laughs> You know, is what he did. And then I'm not talking about at the track. I'm talking about to and fro, coming and going. 495 career starts, man. 147 top 10 finishes. I think, and I think that that gets lost a lot is because the, the focus is always on that, that one win. But when you look at how successful he was in always being in the mix, being at a disadvantage with his, you know, no sponsorship dollars, right. you know, inferior cars, right. you know, what could have been, you know, what could have right. been. And, and I think, I think you just, you said it best, the world could use a little bit more Wendell Scott in their lives. And, and I think that's a great way to kind of put a cherry on this, um, you know, work. It's been a pleasure catching up with you, learning more about your grandfather, learning more about your foundation uh, we'll obviously be following the progress and and hopefully we'll see a trophy presentation sometime in uh, 2021. Absolutely. Some good, good, good things are going to happen. You know, I encourage everybody out there, you know, and especially if you had a bad day when you woke up this morning, you know, because that really happens a lot. You know, um, you know, I encourage everybody to stay positive and, um, you know, focus on the little things, the simple, the, what they say, the best things in life are free, man. You know what I mean? So, you know, I want to encourage everybody to have a good day. And um, Will, thanks for the time and the space, man. And you know, we'll do this again soon. I'm a phone call away. Absolutely. We know that and you know that as well. Uh, so everybody be sure to follow the Wendell Scott Foundation on Facebook, follow it, like it. Uh, and again, follow them on Twitter. Uh, the Twitter handle is at Wendell Scott underscore 34, the number 34. Um, I'd like to thank everybody who tuned in. This has been a great conversation. As always, thanks to our partners, the City of Virginia Beach, Priority Automotive, Davcon Inc., Optima Health, ESPN Radio, and our friends at the Hampton Road Sports Commission. Uh, be sure to follow the Hall of Fame on all of our platforms. I'll get this video up on the Hall of Fame's page. And uh, once again, I'm Will Driscoll with the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame, hoping everyone stays safe and healthy uh, and enjoy the, the week that is in sports. Warwick, thanks a lot for joining us. Take care.